in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Welcome, everybody, to another brand new episode of Topic Thunder. Here from the Top 10 Show, I am John Roca. Uh, I am Matt Nost, and uh, welcome into the holiday season. Mm. Everybody out there, hope you're doing well. Yeah. Uh, you're having a... Look at our look at our festive uh, design. Move, for now. Exactly. Move my tree in. <laughs> I put one right behind me up here somewhere. So you want to go wide to keep the decorations I, I, in this week? I'd love to go wide. I love Let's going do it. wide. So, all right, great. Why I'll, not? I'll yeah. try and adjust what one light I have, get a little <laughs> bit more illumination. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The rest of the room is kind of decorated, but um, yeah. so I just pulled the tree in behind me because it's the easiest oh, thing to do. Oh, hey. Oh. <laughs> they have a generic Christmas background. They do. I've got like 10 of them I've been using for another thing I'm doing. So I was like, fuck it. This looks good. I like this. What do you think? You go with Sure. That? Why not? All Who right. cares? Let's good. have fun. <laughs> we did a show backwards a couple of weeks ago. You know, oh, that's true. That was actually kind of fun. That was I mean, fun. The fans had a good response to that too. So just messing around with things for sure. Um, yeah. So new background. Welcome to Topic Thunder. This is a show that uh, our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. Um, they at the $5 tier and up can send us questions about whatever they want, whatever topics they want to hear us talk about. We don't read them in advance. So uh, we just answer them as they come in. Um, I think yeah, it's Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's your turn, but like, uh, let's, uh, and let's just let me say real quick for all you who are uh, patrons, uh, please keep sending in your topics. You know, we'd like to have a plethora or an abundance of topics uh, to choose from as we go up and down the line. And we know it's the holiday season. So maybe there are other, you're inspired uh, to, to send some more topics. Maybe you've got a little bit of time away from things. Send stuff in. Ask us anything you want to ask us about. It doesn't have to be from the world of movies, entertainment, or sports. could be for mm-hmm. anything. So, uh, you know, life, uh, mental health stuff, uh, career stuff, ambition, whatever you want to talk about. It's all there. Or something just, really stupid and fun. Just anything that we can't get sued for. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me a question about taxes. Right, right, right. Or some legal advice. You need to take that too. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. There are better people equipped to handle that. Do my tonsils look inflamed? I don't know. You should probably go see a professional for that. Yeah. The other night uh, on the on the, the other night on the Nation show, one of the guys called in and they were talking about their uh, DUIs. And I was like, I am not a professional, so I will offer my opinion. But yeah. in no way is this a legal or any kind of advice situation. So, yeah. It can get hairy when you get in that into that stuff. Uh, anyway, Matt, let's uh, let's jump into things, man. Let's get it going. All right. This first one comes from Paul Cree. Paul. And says, hi, John and Matt. Hope you're both well. My question relates to films and their rewatchability. Hi, I wonder if this was... Anyway, Mm. that question from last week. I know this is often a factor when it comes uh, to you making your list for the show. I preface this with the fact that when I was younger, all I did was rewatch and rewatch, and you definitely can get enjoyment and value out of rewatching. But now I literally never rewatch anything unless it's to introduce it to someone. Hmm. 
This I completely put down to streaming, but personally don't think it's a bad thing. Growing up, I had liner TV. I don't know. What I don't, that know. Is. don't know what that is. Yeah. Then VHS. Then I had DVDs, then DVRs with limited space and then Blu-rays. They were all, uh, they all were great for the rewatch, but you buy or record a film or series and watch it over and over. Now with streaming, there's always content available you want to see that you haven't, either because it's new, it's slipped through the cracks, or by just not having enough time. Mm. My next, my Netflix queue has like 200 films on it I've never seen, but want to. <laughs> so now I will always choose to watch something I've never watched before, with the exception being introductions. I showed my children Ghostbusters for the first time over Halloween, and I love the rewatch and love showing it to them. I guess my question is, with the advent of literally any more being made available to everyone fairly easily to rewatch ability. Jesus, man. I <laughs> know. Paul. I just, Paul yeah. Well, it's also it's a, a lot of adjectives and then adverbs for the action of that adjective that's being described. Like, all right, man. Yeah, we get it. You're verbose. Uh, <laughs> and to go along with that, what do you think of films that get branded as you need to watch it a second time to get it? For me, you've got to get it right for the audience on the first whack because I'm not going to rewatch you a second time. There's something different I've not had the chance to watch, and I'm always choosing that over a second watch of a film. Uh, the recent example being Tenet. Hmm. All the best, your friend, Paul Cree. So somewhere in there, there's two questions. Yeah, there <laughs> <laughs> two one sentence question. As we've said before multiple times, brevity is the solo wit, ladies and gentlemen. Keep it to two sentences so we can answer more questions from your fellow patrons on the show. Uh, but yeah, we get your overall point here. Paul yeah. is basically saying uh, is rewatchability being uh, drowned out because of the access to so much more content than we've ever had before. Um, and that's an interesting point, Matt, because I think it's a generational thing, isn't it? Because like guys like us, rewatchability was important, essential. It was something we could just flip on the TV, and if it was all yeah. great, we'd flip channels and watch it. But I think now, because of the death of cable, pretty much. Um, and by the way, I finally cut the cord. At January second, it will be going out. Mm -hmm. uh, we have more directional or purposeful. Um, decisions made or purposeful movement with our watching stuff now like we go to a streaming service to specifically watch something um but i don't think rewatchability is dead because or at least the discovery of things isn't dead because uh mm -hmm. netflix has that shuffle option but yeah we don't i don't rewatch things at the level that i used to i do agree with paul on that um, I, when I rewatch, I do it at bedtime because I know I can fall asleep to it. I've seen it before, so my mind will drift off. Um, so that's you know, I rewatched Angels and Demons over the oh. course of like three nights, right. watched a little bit, and then fell asleep. And the next night, picked up, you know, and then et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, so that's when I rewatch to sit down and watch a movie. I just don't do it as often anymore. Yeah. But I do think, though, there are movies that you need to see more than once, just flat out. Mm -hmm. uh, and some get better and better with the more rewatches. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything. What can you say? Um, I don't think there's any hard and fast rule about that. I think sometimes you can watch a movie the first time and you may like it. But if you watch it 10 years later, you may realize how much you don't like it anymore. So you can't have one thing where if you get it right the first time, that is the ultimate um, final decision on that movie 
or if you get it wrong the first time or don't enjoy it the first time, that is the ultimate decision on your rewatching mm-hmm. that movie. It's just like 10 years down the road, you may not like it. 10 years down the road, something you didn't like may appeal to you more because you've lived more of life. You've experienced more things. So the movie affects you in a completely different way than it did before. And who knows what mood you were in when you went to go see mm-hmm. uh, uh, the movie the first time. You know, Sometimes critics go in and they're just – because they're human beings. Naturally, they're going to bring their own baggage into the theater for whatever reason and then they give a bad review or not or a great review and revisit the film i've seen that happen like months later and they change their minds about it so it happens um completely i'm just sitting here racking my brain trying to think of i know we talked about one very recently where my experience i can't remember what the movie was but the first time i thought I, i saw it i thought it was just okay yeah and i didn't get the like genius of it and just like the second time i watched it damn it what movie was that I remember vividly talking about my the effect it had on me over the course of years anyway that's neither here nor there i think you're, for me personally you're partially right uh but i understand exactly what you're saying it does take away something where that no longer do i watch remember the titans 372 times because it was in a box of dvds i had because that was right. all the entertainment i had for two years right. so those days are gone uh and now with streaming service, you have that on, you know, you can have it on your phone for n- practically nothing. Yeah. And I, f- I can't recall the last time I've, I stumbled upon Major League or Wrath of Khan and just watched it. And those were just yeah. like always the ones that I would stop and, and watch an hour of or whatever. It's It's been a while, you know. I think we're more purposeful with our time now because there's less of it and there's more demands on it. Yeah. I would, I would think. With so many more things, but there are movies where, I do make it a point every once again. It's like, oh, I haven't watched that in a while, and I get happy about it. Like Hunt for Red October, mm. I will happily turn on and rewatch that. But yeah. I have to be in the mood for it, and it'll spark up out of nowhere. What about Hunt for Red October, or you know, two of the Indiana Jones? Mm. Just right. like I can watch that as a one-off, and it's a great little. It it still has the same entertainment value for me now that it did then. Yeah, but that's yeah. a rarer kind of occurrence. Mm-hmm. Uh. Let's see. And then part two to the question. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, make it, uh, Is there a part two? Yeah, I guess not. I guess it's all kind of. Yeah, mixed in, right? Yeah, amalgamated into one overall general thesis. Mm. What is liner TV? Like, Paul seemed, because we met him. Yeah, Paul did. We met Paul. But Paul's a super nerd, so liner TV. Maybe. Yeah, but he's younger than oh. us. Oh, this uh, he might mean linear TV, which is real time television service that broadcasts scheduled programs conventionally over the air through satellite slash cable, not streamed to a specific okay. user. So basically, broadcast television. regular TV. Yeah, I guess yeah. maybe they call it linear TV there. Yeah, maybe. Or he does. Do. He does work in the BBC. He so does. Yeah, he does. Perhaps that's what it's just called. That's this industry standard for fucking right. TV. <laughs> <laughs> they had a word surprisingly. They add a fucking word. You nerds. To the BBT, BBC. Ah, uh, just. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, um, yeah, so. Uh, all right. Well, Paul, that was the first one. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> thank you, Paul. We kind of talked about it last week, too, though. Yeah. We it's did. just we weird did. that it was back to back. Yeah. Like, someone else asked about it. Yeah. I think it was, too. Um, yeah, thanks, Paul. All right, let's move on to Chris Lemke. Ah, see, a little bit shorter here. He says, what's up, guys? 
Sorry. Uh, sorry. Let's when I hear. It's my last email to you now. I have I have now gotten engaged. Hey, congratulations, congratulations. Chris. Super excited, and it's nice to take one good thing out of this year. True. Uh, well, one day I think a top 10 movie weddings would be a fun list. Oh, yeah, Matt. We've never done that. That could be mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, I'm more interested in what your favorite proposals are, not limiting it to any specific movie or TV medium. Sometimes TV ones have more of an emotional payoff because of the time spent with the characters. As always, stay safe and be well, Lemke. Ooh, the top 10 movie proposals or TV <laughs> proposals. Wow. Do you have any... Favorite I can't think of a single one where like that proposal was legit. <laughs> you know, I mean, usually it's if it's in a comedy, it's like early on and they kind of get out of the way because the wedding's the big thing. If we're, yeah. it's never about the proposal; it's about the wedding. So the proposal, like, unless it's a big build up in a love story type of thing. Yeah, the, uh, there's a lot of them. That seemed to come from TV. That I can, okay. yeah, because you got to build on a season. Right. So that makes more sense. Um, let's see. Love Actually. Maybe the proposal Love Actually between. What, Colin Firth? Yeah, Colin Firth and the Portuguese maid. Uh, the housekeeper, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes. Yeah, that's a great one, actually, because he goes to. Yeah, the, the know, family. Her, right. And they march on down to where she's working and he does yeah. it there in front of everybody with his uh, terrible Portuguese or broken Portuguese. So that's a pretty awesome. That's a, I like that one. That is um, a good one. What about the wedding singer? Was that a good one? The wedding singer between did they, was, do you remember? Oh that yeah. It builds up at the end on the, the plane. Yeah. Sure. Sure. I like that one. Uh, I like the, jo- Oh yeah. Johnny and June cash. Yeah. Walk the line when he calls her out on the stage. Okay. And he, finally, he says to her, like, you know, I can't live my life without you. I gotta love you. Blow. After she's been kind of, you know, turning him down and turning him down and turning him down, he finally does it in such a just honest way and just put puts everything out there. And it's a pretty, and she finally sees how, you know, determined he is to make this happen. Oh, when Harry met Sally, right? Him running into at the end, right? In New Year's Eve. But how many more are there? That's the thing. I got 20 here, apparently, but I don't know if we've seen really some of these. Yeah. Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Uh, Runaway Bride with Julia and Eh, here. I I mean, I've seen it. I couldn't. Yeah. It's been a long time. Let's see here. Sex in the City, Mr. Big and Carrie. No. No. How about The Notebook? How about uh, Gosling and McAdams there? Yeah, but ultimately, like they're married as old people, right? Well, they are, but like I guess it with the proposal build up, right? I've only seen that the once, though. I did enjoy it, but I've only seen it once. What about uh, Wedding Crashers when Owen Wilson proposes to her there at the altar after she's eh. steps down from uh, Bradley Cooper? There, I think of seventy-five other things before I think of that in that movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not a love story to me. If it's right. going to have an emotional impact, like that's. Right. That honestly, they could carve all of that out and make a better movie to me. <laughs> I think you carve out the Will Ferrell stuff. That just feels weird. it is disjointed, right? But, Isn't it? Like I'm not alone on that, right? Like no, no, no. I still enjoy it, but right. it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. It's just a real narrative left turn, and yeah, then immediate right, right turn right afterwards, right back onto what the rest of the movie is, which was you know just like what was before that scene. Yeah, that was weird. Maha, yeah. Meatloaf. Um, 
What about Moonstruck? Do you, I I have yet to see Moonstruck. I should watch this movie one of these days. When Daniello proposes to Cher? No, it's okay. what it's Cher and Nick Cage. Oh, is it Nick Cage? Sorry, Nick Cage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I've 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 seen it. I saw it as a kid, so I, I liked it and didn't. But okay. Now, as an adult, I under, looking back, I understand why I didn't like the p- parts of it I did because it was the love story parts. But, uh, wow. I don't know. Uh, years I've seen that. Serendipity when John Corbett proposes to Kate Beckinsale. I was talking with Lily about this the other day. Of course, she ends up with John Cusack instead. But, like, I'm amazed at some of these actors that take these roles that are consistently one thing. Like, Corbett was consistently left at the altar by, in essence, by in so many movies and TV shows, right? Like Carrie and Sex and the City, Love Actually. Like, these are cuckolded. And you see some women who play these parts as well, where they get left for another woman or, you know, as an actor, like, at some point, do you start to typecast yourself if you take too many of these roles? And so you never, right? Doesn't it feel that way? Like, you don't ever believe they could actually be even though John did have with my big fat Greek wedding, it's rare where he's actually ended up with the person, right? Well, it's also, these are probably the jobs he's getting offered after a while. Yeah, that's a good point. You take so, yeah, 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 take the job. It's still a good job. It's not like this is a shit project. It's just, this is the role that they're asking for yeah. you. Uh, yeah, it's got to suck. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're right next to where you want to be a lot. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, just looking over and being like, what does he fucking have that I don't have? <laughs> what is it got exactly? What the hell? Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I like About Time. That's a good one, too, where he wakes her up and stuff. That's a good one. Is that the one with Rachel McAdams? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I, it, yeah. Yeah. I think movie or weddings is totally possible, don't you think? Yeah, top ten weddings, dude. Fuck yes, I think that would be an awesome one for us to do. To be honest with you, sure, we'll talk about it down the line. Well, you know, Limke, you don't just get to call your shot, buddy. We'll uh, we'll make you wait a little while for that one. That's fair. let's see if That's we remember fair. in two months. Yeah, true. Uh, all right, thanks, Chris. Let's move on to our next one, my man. Uh, all right, this comes from Jay Scotty St. Clair. Hey. Says, good tidings, Matt and John. Wanted to pick your brains a little about comedy. Q laughs in honor of Mark Ellis. Matt's obviously made a career out of stand-up comedy, and John has taken the first steps on that journey by actually performing <laughs> on a stage in front of a crowd. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, every <clears throat> journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, John. I guess so, man. <laughs> Just how long it takes you to get to that thousand miles. It's, uh, it's not at this, Yeah, not at this fucking age, man. <laughs> yeah, maybe... <laughs> And this life and the next. Yeah, the next, maybe. Uh, (laughs) Podcasting certainly has that element of performance to it, too. Uh, I'd love to hear you compare and contrast the process of writing a joke to be performed live to an audience versus scripted content, as well as when you collaborate. Additionally, how was your experience and process impacted the way you react to jokes, gags, and films? Do you see the setup and punchline coming from a mile away? If so, does that ruin it for you more often than not? Thanks, gents. Top 10 Boumaier, J. Scotty, St. Clair. Yeah. Matt, I'll let you take this one, Matt. I mean, you're the more accomplished stand-up comic and comic. <laughs> sure, that's one way to put it. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it's your thing. Uh, 
Yeah, but at the same time, you were rebuffing saying you're a comedian, but now by calling me the more established comedian. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you that's are. That's why I laughed at. I was like, okay, sorry. you were just saying no, but now you're subtly under the. I but yes, I am. I, I've done it. I've dabbled. I could I, do that. I know I could. I no, not in any way, shape. I'm or not. Form. I'm not I, saying you could or couldn't. I just, I, if that was your motivation, it was subtle, and I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> that is your terrain. I always concede that. <laughs> writing yeah. a joke is. Uh, everybody has their own different way to do it. So there's no right or wrong way. Right, right. Uh, it's just like anything in life. If you can find a rhythm to do it, some some people write specifically only on stage. Mm. Others uh, do specifically like write out every single word. And it has to be the the cadence that they write out. And there's not a lot of room for improvisation. And then basically, then there's every extreme in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So personally, I do, it depends, but more often than not, like 60 to 70% written. And then I figure out the areas where it'll grow eventually mm. by doing those, just being a little bit more fluid. That's what works for me. There you go. Yeah. Um, do you see the setup and punchline coming in? Like, do I judge jokes and all that? Yes, 100%. Mm. Uh, but I'm guessing... A, which punchline is coming, and B, which punchline I would have chosen. Mm. Uh, That's how... So it it kills a lot of comedy for me. But at the same time, when I like something, when something makes me laugh, I laugh my fucking ass off because it's great. I love to laugh. That's why I started telling jokes and all that shit. It's the best. I died laughing the other night watching West Wing. Wow. Well, it was... So it was inadvertent but it was the best. And I don't know if Sorkin intended it or not, but so CJ Craig, the press secretary gets some memo. I can't remember what it was, but it's the white house. So it's something important. Right. And she instantly goes, I need to print something. Who's on printer seven. I need it. And she runs this office. There's, I don't know how many people working there. You just hear this voice off camera going, that's me. <laughs> like why is that in there some guy just nonchalant like hey oh uh like i'll get that <laughs> this is the fucking white house it was so good and i'm dying laughing <laughs> and Catherine was like why why is that so funny and i explained the why i found it funny and she was like i didn't even you know notice right which is the that's me uh fucking great and it just in and out like that uh what about you so you've done it you know, uh, <laughs> Four times. two times, three times. Yeah, but at the same time, you have some experience having done it. Uh, how did you write the jokes? Uh, well, the first time I wrote the jokes, it was very much encouraged by Mark Ellis. Mark was like, just he goes, he said, just sit down with a pad of paper and start start writing out observations about past situations or moments in your life. And he's like, it's it's a way to kind of clear the cobwebs, and then you'll start to look mm, at. Sure certain things that really do but really speak your voice like finding your voice and doing it so it was very uh you know 101 type stuff rudimentary type stuff and i did it on the plane to the show and then you know on the taxi ride over uh or the uber ride over mark ellis and i like i read him everything and then he's like that's the joke circle that that's the joke circle that that's the joke so the first time is very very bad in comparison and i was just like kind of like figuring and i got lost in the middle of the joke and then in new york 
I tried this thing where I was like, I'm just going to have four bits in my mind and then I'll organically flow on stage because I'm never unconfident when I get on a stage. You know, I think both of us sure. have that natural feeling of like, well, we're home when we're on stage. You know, we mm-hmm. can make it work in some way. I think that's why our live shows are so great because we're both just natural born performers on stage. And so I just thought I could wing it. And that crashed and burned in the middle of the set. So that I learned I was like, okay. You can wing it. It's just you've got to have default stuff to you can revert to or you can pull up or bring up. uh, Yeah, that's that's one tactic. Sure, right. It doesn't have to organically flow into each bit. You have to. You can actually stop for a second and jump to a completely different topic if you've got the audience. You know. Yeah, I Um, honestly, it's a. You know, there's a. I believe it's a Cosby quote. Probably shouldn't be quoting Cosby, but. In essence, and I'll paraphrase, but you're the captain. So you just have to basically, as long as you have the confidence. Yeah. You're like, I'll land this bird. Don't worry. Yeah. Just come that's, with me. That's the difference. If they have confidence in you yeah. because you're radiating the confidence, they'll go along with you and and have uh, a belief that you'll land the joke. Dude. And so the last time I did it, though, it was very much a combination of all these things where I mm-hmm. had written some stuff in my head and I didn't write anything down. I came right off the plane, got in the Uber, where I jumped onto the stage. It was really, there was no time to think. There was just like, okay, sure. let's see what happens. And stuff happened. And I eventually found stuff. So I'm much more of an organic person. I probably could do 100 sets and only prepare a little bit for each of them. And then eventually figure out what it is that organically feels correct for me. And then I'll build confidence from that. I, I'm, I'm better flowing within flowing organically within parameters than I am like constructing an entire set. Like, I think that would be weird to me to do that. So that's sure. maybe why I'll never su- succeed in any way, shape or form, but that's just how I'm built. As for seeing the joke coming, I never, I rarely see the joke coming when I'm watching shows. Cause I, I mostly just want to laugh. And so I just want to turn it off and not see it in the bad comedies. Yes. But in the great ones, I rarely, I rarely see the joke coming and I enjoy that. And I love being surprised by that. But what Matt said is also genius. And that is, it's the, the occasional throwaway lines. If you're built to understand comedy, the occasional throwaway lines can break you. Just absolutely break oh, you. Oh, yeah. Because you're conceiving of the entire situation. And this random line appearing in this entire situation can just send you down the wormhole. Uh, the, you know? I think my favorite uh, Arrested Development joke. Yeah. The one that made me laugh the hardest when I watched it the first time through is it the last season on Fox? What is that? Season four? I think so. Yeah. Whatever it is. And they're at an outdoor event. There's a small pool and they covered the pool in glass or something. And I can't remember. Somebody gets lit on fire or they're <laughs> they're trying to get into it. I want to say it was uh, uh, Tobias. That makes sense. But it was like, oh, why is this covered in glass? But it was as <laughs> credits were rolling. So it was this throwaway, and I was like, to me, that's the genius of you knew you had such a, a God's eye view on this entire scene that you managed to fit in another great joke yeah. off screen, and it was much more effective that way. <laughs> I fucking, I died laughing. I, uh, uh, I mean, the two, the two instances that I always go back to is Dumb and Dumber. When he says to the old lady, don't you go dying on me now? Oh, fuck. I lose it every fucking time in the movie. And it's such a throwaway 
uh, nothing line that just oh. breaks me. And the heat where she says to him, because um, he's an albino and he's like hitting that high S. He just says to, she says, are you okay? You look a little pale. Just, I mean, I know it's an albino joke and I probably shouldn't laugh at it, but when she says, are you okay? You look a little pale. Absolutely decimates me. So <laughs> a good joke is a good joke. Yeah, true, true. Even it's, look, sometimes they, as I'm, you know, I sit there and judge. It's what you do and just like, ah, that seems like an easy punchline. And a lot of, in a lot of movies and whatnot, they have to go for easy punchlines because yeah, they're yeah. trying to appeal to the widest spectrum of individuals as they can. It's when, for me, they're still effective in that because look, Somewhere out there is the best airplane food joke in the history of man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There's probably somewhere in the ballpark of 10, 15, 20,000 variations mm-hmm. of people having done them. One dude or one woman has the best of all time. So it can't exist. Yeah. So those broader jokes, when those work, it's like, good for you. That's fucking, you know, you that, that cat has been skinned so many times. <laughs> you managed to get a little bit more off it. Yeah, if you're smart about it, you know what to yeah, do. Yeah, you can. Uh, and then it also lets you like, ah, I'll let the next like two, three easy jokes slide because that one was worth it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, but great comedy is great comedy, man. And I, I love it when it happens. And I'm sure you, I'm sure you, because you're a tougher audience than me. Um, yeah, I'm but sure I think almost every comic is. Right. And, yeah, exactly. And I'm sure for you, when you see, when you laugh at something that gets you, it's like you, give it really extra value because it got you, which is, which is tough. You know, uh, I'm doing this live where me and my friends play risk every once and again. Right. So I played once in the pandemic and now we're going to play on uh, Twitch. Oh and yeah. Literally, the only rule is basically we need to tone down our racism towards each other <laughs> because that's all we do. It's, yeah. it's various ethnicities, creeds, and there's a mix of like eight of us that play mm-hmm. and we're just nasty to each other. We got one friend that keeps the notes of oh. what goes down and he brings like a bag of he's so annoying, but it's great to have him there. He's got like a train whistle. And it's so it's so you just tear <laughs> into him. He's got a skin condition, so we just start oh. laying into him like, ah, oh, great. What is that flaring up? Like, right. Right. we're all just terrible to each other. So it's just, hey, hey, we got to we should yeah. probably tone that down a little bit, guys. <laughs> really? That's probably smart. Yeah. Yeah. People don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, somebody could. Uh, that's so true, man. I mean, I have the same thing. I've, yeah. You know, people take it the wrong way and be like, listen, I've known that dude for yeah. 15 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 15. He's allowed to say anything he wants to me. I don't care. Yeah, because he's been my friend this long. Like we are friends, right? Uh, <laughs> the best is like I, I got one buddy who's Latino, but he's paler than I am. Ah, yeah, the white Latino. Yes, but I didn't know for years, and then somebody said like a the thing about him. He's like, oh, okay, and he rifled back at what they were, mm-hmm. and I was like, you're Latino? Like, look at that racism taught me something about what a dude I had been friends with. For like seven years at that point. <laughs> well, it's like JT. JT is the whitest Latino. Yeah. He's, I'm not even as white as JT is. And so it's just like, it's crazy uh, that he's full on Latino. So it was like, good God, man. But yeah, you when know, you find that out, you're like, you are Latino. Wow. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Ooh, I did not see that coming. Yeah. Uh, so for the Twitch game, it's going to be, there'll still be jokes. It's all comics. Right. But at the same time, it's like, uh, you know. 
You got to be careful. That's yeah. Sure. Well, we don't need to do any jokes that are inside baseball. And that's where those jokes all come right. from. We don't do it outside of. It's yeah. just when we're making fun of each other. So. Yeah, I think that's what uh, I think that's why people love our show. We get as close to the line as possible uh, mm. <laughs> with it because we just we're both just we'll we'll talk about some fun stuff and honest like in a way that's like pretty open. But they can get yeah, it could, if someone yeah. was to just dip in and fly in for just a section of the show, they wouldn't get the. Overall. I see it once cameras yeah. stop and then I put my hood back on and be like, <laughs> "All right, the real show is going to begin. Let's do that fifty person Zoom call." Top ten after dark. <laughs> yeah exactly uh, anyway um all right we're at 32 minutes we should probably wrap up matt for sure yep. um thanks to everybody and thanks to uh, jay scotty sinclair for that question thanks to everybody who sent in uh questions and if you're a patron five dollar and above if you're a new patron five dollar and above this is where it happens send in your questions send in your comments especially if you're new would love to hear your th- we would love to hear your thoughts because we'd love to hear your points of views on things. Even if you're asking a question that we've asked before, there might be an unusual way that you're asking it that would be fun for us to answer for sure. So please go to patreon.com slash the top 10. Become a patron. Now more than ever, we need your support during this time. You know, things are supposedly things are starting to turn the corner, and I hope they are. And hopefully some of you are working more and you're, more, you know, you're making more. And so if they if it is happening. Uh, we would love to get your support at least at the $5 level every month to keep us going and doing more things. And, and Matt and I, I'm sure, will be having plans for doing live shows either over Zoom or what have you and have some. And we've talked about live streams with some of you coming in and having conversations with us who are patrons. So all of that is uh, is coming down the pike, certainly for 2021. So please get involved now, get into it now and, and be a patron of the Top 10 Show. Um, and head over to patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. If you want to join us over there, uh, you can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. Uh, and you can follow me at the Roka says on Twitter and on Instagram. And don't forget we're on YouTube. If you're listening to us on podcasts, we're also on YouTube. So go and subscribe to mm-hmm. our YouTube channel as well. All right. Thanks everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Another brand new episode of topic. Thunder.